This is the John Oakley Show podcast. I defer to a higher authority in this matter, and that would be Michael Lacey, who is the president of the Criminal Lawyers Association of Ontario. Good to have you back on the show, Michael. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Thanks Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so Weinstein sentenced to 23 years, uh, and this was for third-degree rape and first-degree criminal sex. Uh, help me out here. I mean, the third-degree rape uh, only had a maximum of four years. Does that make sense? Well, you know, it, it, it's certainly a, a huge sentence, and I don't purport to be an expert or to know all the intricacies of New York state law, but as I understand it, the uh, the other charge carried with it uh, a more serious penalty with a minimum period of imprisonment of four years, and the total that he was uh, liable to be sentenced for was 29 years, so a 25-year max and a four-year max. And uh, getting the 23-year sentence was certainly a heavy sentence based upon what I understand the basis for the conviction. Well, uh, apparently that's... That's something that I, uh, I'm reading about here as well. Now, uh, the fact that he was also in the very throat of the Me Too movement, uh, what do you make of that? I mean, do courts uh, you know, and judges take into account sort of contemporary mores and the rest? Do you think that influences a judge? Well, you, you'd hope that a judicial officer would be above the hashtag. Um, and by that, I don't mean that it's not appropriate for judges to recognize that you know, sexual assaults are a serious problem, that, uh, you know, the abuse of women, the taking advantage of women for sexual purposes and for for their own, you know, selfish pleasure is not a serious problem. But at the same time, you want a judge to sentence someone based upon the evidence that's actually before them. And I watched with interest uh, Harvey Weinstein's lead lawyer, um, you know, speak to the media afterwards, and she was clearly uh, upset about the sentence. She was really quite critical of the judge, Justice Burke, suggesting that he did, in fact, succumb to the pressure and didn't sentence, in this case, based upon the actual findings of the jury. And, and she pointed to a case where a judge in a more, that judge in a more serious case very recently sentenced someone to seven and a half years and sort of said, how can you reconcile those two sentences, clearly with the suggestion that you can't. Or the intimation that maybe Harvey Weinstein is high profile and, uh, you know, maybe the judge is under certain societal pressure to really send a signal here. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in Canada, any with a Canadian experience, I, I don't think that's something that factors into most judges' decision making. We, we have a system in Canada where there's, um, you know, you're not voted in, there's independence and judges, you know, the rule of law. Uh, is not just sort of a, a phrase. It, it, in most circumstances, judges comply with the rule of law and they want to get it right and they do it based upon precedent and they do it based upon the actual evidence that they've heard. And if the defense was right in the Weinstein case that the appropriate range based upon all the authorities, they said that the average sentence for this type of crime was eight and a half years. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting appeal when the sentence that came down was 23 years, because how can you justify that if the range in New York is, in fact, in the eight and a half or even 10 year range? So you're anticipating an appeal? Yeah, there's no question about it. I, when I heard the comments of the legal team today, they, they're clear that the sentence will form part of the appeal. There's also going to be an appeal against conviction, and, and some American commentators are suggesting that there might be some merit to that. And part of that appeal, as I understand it, will involve the judge 
um, allowing jurors to continue to serve on the jury when there were some question about partiality and other things related to social media and the Me Too movement. So I think the, you know, it, it, it's obviously a, an important day for Harvey Weinstein, important day for his team. But I don't think the, the you know, the, the movie's over. I don't think we've seen the end credits as of yet. Always bringing in that analogy to uh, cinema, I get it. Uh, The Harvey Weinstein sentencing of 23 years in the bin, uh, and the judge says, oh, this is a first conviction, this is not a first offense. But it's interesting because when you cited the Canadian system versus the American and uh, his own defense attorney, you know, it was pretty sharp. She, uh, I've seen her interviewed. Uh, she was suggesting and submitted as evidence that a lot of these women still continued on communicating and uh, in a somewhat uh, friendly way, let's call it. Uh, in some cases, even it seemed amorous, uh, which I guess is why Harvey Weinstein claims he's confused by this all. He thought he had, you know, uh, consensual sex and everything was, you know, hunky-dory. But then I, I project to uh, that became uh, a point that was kind of, obviated or dismissed in the Gomeshi case, for example, that some of these women continue to send, you know, missives to Gomeshi after the accusations or allegations of abuse. Uh, and that was waived saying, well, you know, this is the way people might behave when they're in, in abusive relationships. That didn't really curry any favor with the judge uh, in the case of Harvey Weinstein, though. Well, I think we've come a long way, uh, and, and not that there's not more room to come, but we've come a long way in understanding that applying typical behavior to situations involving people who are actually victims of sexual abuse and saying, well, people are going to behave a certain way or not behave a certain way. Um, you know, that, that, that's just fraught with difficulties. At the same time, um, you know, in Gomeshi, the, the sort of what I'd call the post-incident conduct of the complainants, it wasn't so much that they continued to communicate with or reach out to uh, Jean Gomeshi, what, what that case turned on was their claims that they were so horrified and distraught and uh, sickened by what John Gomeshi did, they never wanted to see him again and never wanted to have any contact with him again. And what the defense was able to capitalize on was essentially those uh, what were deemed lies or untruths by those witnesses when confronted with their own subsequent conduct in the form of emails and communications. And in this case, I think that there was some criticism of the defense for suggesting that just because a sexual assault complainant in the Weinstein case might have continued to, uh, you know, interact with him, that that didn't mean the event didn't happen. And I think that's that may be fair criticism. Uh, but of course, we weren't in the courtroom and how that evidence was used. And I suspect to some extent it was used more in the Gameshi sense than it was in the impermissible sense. Again, with Michael Lacey, he's the president of the Criminal Lawyers Association of Ontario. Weinstein being sentenced to 23 years for uh, the sexual assault and rape. Uh, and so those two parts added to the 23. He also didn't take the stand. Uh, as a defense lawyer, would you have uh, kept him off the stand as well? Was that a wise move? Well, you know, I think every brief is different. Uh, every trial is different. And I know I'm going to sound like a defense lawyer and, and the now past president of the Criminal Lawyers Association. But right. what, what, what I really, you know, it, it, is, it depends on the particular circumstances. It's ultimately the accused choice. That's the rule in the United States as it is in Canada. I think there's a more of a uh, history in the U.S. and it's a continued um, way of doing things that the accused just don't testify. It's a very rare circumstance where the accused testifies in a United States criminal trial. I think in a Canadian criminal trial, 
we see the accused testify more often, often when there's you know sexual assault allegations and if the accused position is, look, I didn't do these things I'm being accused of. Um, it's certainly not uncommon for the accused to testify. We saw that recently in the uh, College Street Bar uh, rape case, obviously. We saw in a different context in the homicide sexual assault case involving uh, the case that's now being tried, you know, was that horrific uh, homicide where the accused took the stand in his own defense. So I can't say one way or the other what I would have advised Weinstein, but I think that you certainly have to think carefully about not testifying if your position is you didn't do the things uh, that these women were saying in light of the evidence that was apparently presented to support that. Yeah, he said he was totally confused by this whole case. And uh, the quote attributed to him, I had a wonderful time with these people. Uh, that was his statement uh, rather than testimony, but he gave a final statement. And uh, there were witness statements or not witness uh, victim impact statements at the sentencing hearing. How impactful are they, by the way, to uh, sway a judge one way or the other, or does it make a difference? Well, you know, the victim impact statements are part of the Canadian legal landscape as well. And it's important that people who are uh, actual victims of crime, so following findings of guilt, get the opportunity to talk about the impact of that. Uh, on them. I mean, and it it, it does play a role in a judge's exercise of discretion because there is always normally a range within which a judge can determine what's a fit sentence and the impact on a particular victim is certainly taken into account, but it's it's not intended to overwhelm the process. Um, So it's a fine line. I mean, by comparison, just, you know, your listeners might be interested. In Canada, the maximum penalty for the most serious charge that uh, Weinstein was convicted of would be 10 years in jail. And the average sentence for a rape sexual assault in Canada for someone without a prior criminal record might be in the range of, of two or three to five years in jail. So when you compare that to the 23-year sentence imposed for Weinstein, it, it stands in stark contrast. Interesting. Uh, and again, as the judge said, although this is a first conviction, it's not a first offense. And uh, therein lies the rationale for the Heavy sentence, 23 years in prison. Uh, Michael, I appreciate your explaining all. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure. Michael Lacey, partner, Criminal Law Group, Browdy Thorning LLP, and past president of the Criminal Lawyers Association of Ontario. Now you know Harvey Weinstein. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.